The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of The Boys with the Golden Stars contains depictions of violence and mutilation. Please exercise caution for children under 13. Joyful bells rang as young King Stefan emerged from the chapel with his bride, a shepherd's daughter named Laptitza. The kingdom had never seen such a handsome couple. Stefan stood tall and straight, with chestnut hair and a jaw that seemed chiseled from granite. Peeking from under Laptitza's veil were locks the color of summer wheat and skin like fresh cream. The happy couple waved to the crowd before leaping into a carriage to return to the castle. The throngs of people chased after them, cheering and singing. But back on the steps of the chapel stood the king's stepmother, Dachiana. Even on such a happy day, her face seemed paralyzed in a scowl. Next to her, her daughter Ivona stomped her foot. It's not fair, mother. You promised me I would be Stefan's queen. Dachiana shushed her. Never say that outside. Someone might hear you. Besides, this is only a temporary setback. Then her mouth twisted into a hideous grin. I won't rest until that shepherd girl is banished from this kingdom forever. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we're digging into the boys with the golden stars. This Romanian fairy tale follows a wicked stepmother who tries to get rid of two magical princes however necessary, but she learns that buried secrets always find a way of coming to light. Coming up, the king's stepmother plots a takeover. The Boys with the Golden Stars comes to us from Romania. There have been multiple versions of the story, but one of the most noteworthy was adapted by a German writer named Miet Kremnitz in the 1800s. On a visit to Romania, Kremnitz befriended the queen of the country, which not only gave her a deep appreciation for its culture, but also afforded her insights into the royal family. Perhaps it's that first-hand knowledge that gave the boys with the golden stars such a dark and thrilling look into the power struggle within the castle walls, a place where family members were constantly plotting against each other and even innocent babies could be the victims of murder. In the months after King Stefan and Queen Laptitza's wedding, the pair were inseparable. They went riding together, they strolled arm in arm through the castle courtyard, and they delivered food to needy peasants in the countryside. It was enough to make Daciana sick but she couldn't take her eyes off them. She spied on them every day, looking for weakness to exploit. Unfortunately, she couldn't find any. But that wasn't the only thing that roiled Daciana. Even before Stefan and Laptitza were married, Laptitza had promised to give birth to twin princes, and not just any boys. She vowed that her children would bear the holy mark of power, shining stars on their foreheads. Daciana didn't believe it. 
The chances that this peasant woman would give birth to boys with stars on their foreheads were slim to none. She knew if she could prove Laptitsa as a fraud, Stefan would divorce her and perhaps marry Ivona. But before Daciana could intercede, the kingdom erupted with news. Laptitsa was pregnant. The young queen's belly swelled so large that the royal doctors agreed she was carrying twins. When Daciana heard the announcement, she flung a vase across her bedchamber and watched it shatter against the wall. She couldn't look at her daughter, who was pacing back and forth in the room. Mother, what are we going to do? Ivona asked. Daciana didn't answer. She knew she had to act quickly. After a moment, it came to her. Daciana marched across the castle to Stefan's chambers. Before she entered, she softened her scowl into a smile, or as much as her face could form one. Then she opened the door and loudly announced, Congratulations! I just heard the wonderful news! Laptitsa looked at Daciana with a skeptical eye. Stefan's stepmother had been cold to her ever since they met. There was something about her that Laptitsa didn't trust, but she couldn't quite put her finger on it. King Stefan, however, ran to Daciana and hugged her. It's amazing news, isn't it? Daciana stepped back and bowed to him. Your Majesty, forgive my forwardness. Since your mother is gone, I would be honored to serve as midwife for your children. Laptitsa opened her mouth to protest, but Stefan cut her off. That's a splendid idea. Laptitsa eyed the older woman nervously, but forced a smile nonetheless. Daciana sensed Laptitsa's hesitation. She approached the young woman and placed a sinewy claw on her shoulder. Don't worry, my dear. They'll be in good hands. Later that day, Daciana returned to Ivona and reported on the meeting. It worked perfectly, she said. At first, Ivona grinned, but then she squinted at her mother. How will you keep Stefan away? Daciana held up a finger. Be patient, girl. Your mother has it all figured out. She pulled a sheet of parchment from her desk and began to draft a letter to her brother, King André. He was a notoriously volatile ruler who once declared war on a neighbor for sending lilies instead of orchids for his birthday. Daciana dipped her pen in ink and started to write, My dearest brother, I am writing to you secretly because my stepson, Stefan, has locked me in my chambers and is withholding food. Surely you would not let your sister suffer like this? Perhaps he needs to be taught a lesson. After finishing the letter, Daciana sealed it with hot wax and handed it to a courier. A malicious grin spread across her face. She knew exactly how her brother would respond. A few weeks later, André invaded the western region of Stefan's kingdom. When word reached Stefan, he couldn't believe it. Relations had always been amicable with André, but this could not be addressed diplomatically. He had to respond with force. Stefan assembled his soldiers and prepared to march. While Stefan was packing up to leave, Laptitsa pulled him aside. My love, please don't go, she said. 
Your sons will be born soon. I need you here. Stefan took her in his arms. If I do not respond, others will think our kingdom is weak. Soon, all our enemies will attack. But I swear to you, when our sons are born, I will return to welcome them. Stefan kissed her and mounted his steed. Tears streamed down Laptitsa's face as her husband rode off to join his soldiers. At that moment, Laptitsa felt an icy hand touch her arm. She turned to see Dachiana. You have nothing to worry about, my sweet, the old woman said. While he's gone, I'll take care of you and your babies. Something about the way Dachiana said babies sent a chill down Laptitsa's spine, but there was nothing she could do about it now. Later that night, Ivona stormed into Dachiana's chambers. How am I supposed to marry Stefan if Uncle Andre kills him in battle? She demanded. Dachiana chuckled to herself. She gestured for her daughter to sit next to her on the bed. Then she brushed Ivona's bushy black hair. Your uncle won't kill Stefan. He'll merely keep him occupied. Ivona sighed. Okay, but if he doesn't survive, what are we going to do? Daciana patted her daughter's arm. Shush, now focus. I have something important for you to do. Perhaps the most important part of our plan. Ivona perked up. Her mother never trusted her with the plans. This must be big. Daciana clutched her daughter's shoulders. I need you to scour the kingdom and find me a pregnant dog. Ivona cocked her head in confusion. I don't want a pet, mother. Dachiana shook her head. This is not for a pet, I promise you. Ivona was still dubious, but she took her leave and began the search. Only a few weeks later, Laptitsa went into labor. She sent messengers to Stefan, begging him to come home. But the war with King Andre was even bloodier than he had expected, and Stefan refused to abandon his men on the front lines. He could not come home. Not yet. Laptitsa had no choice but to let Dachiana help with the childbirth. Laptitsa was pleasantly surprised at how knowledgeable and reassuring her mother-in-law was. She coached her through breathing and contractions, but little did she know what Dachiana was planning. When the babies finally squeezed out of their mother, Dachiana stifled a gasp and kept them hidden from Laptitsa's sight. The prophecy was true. Each of the boys had a shiny golden star embossed on his forehead. The boys were the most beautiful children Dachiana had ever seen. She realized immediately why they were so special, why Laptitsa was so special. The whole kingdom would be captivated by them, which was exactly why she could never let them survive. At that moment, Laptitsa's voice snapped Dachiana out of her daydream. May I hold them, please? She asked. Dachiana cleared her throat. Of course, my darling, but please be prepared. These are not ordinary babies. Laptitsa nodded limply, exhausted. I know, they have stars on their heads. 
but instead of handing the boys to La Pizza, Dachiana squirreled them away in a burlap sack under the bed and handed her something else, hidden in a blanket. At first, La Pizza sighed with relief. The warm bundle in her arms brought her so much joy. But as she pulled the cloth away to reveal their faces, she recoiled. She wasn't holding two little boys, but two newborn puppies covered in blood and mucus. Their tiny brown faces squeaked for milk. La Pizza held them away from her. How is this possible? She yelled. These are not my children. Daciana's face pinched into a twisted grin. Then she bent down and whispered into Laptitsa's ear, I don't know what sorcery you practice, but this is an abomination. And when the king hears about it, he will have you burned as a witch. All three of you will be dead. Coming up, Dachiana learns that buried secrets rarely stay buried. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from ParCast, and I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads, and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals. Like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Queen Laptitsa had just given birth, but instead of having two boys with stars on their heads, she was now holding two puppies wrapped in a blanket. She started to panic. I need, I need Stefan, she stammered. Daciana shrugged and smiled. I will send for him immediately. Then Daciana packed up her birthing tools, bloody rags, and the burlap sack that held Laptitsa's real twin sons, and dashed out of the room. Daciana raced through the castle to a shadowy corner of the courtyard. There, she found the shovel she had hidden and set to work digging a hole. She hurried for fear that the babies would start crying, but surprisingly, they remained happy and peaceful. Once the hole was deep enough, she grabbed the boys from the sack and placed them in the damp soil. In the moonlight, their birthmarks sparkled like flecks of gold. The boys cooed at her. They were the most beautiful creatures Daciana had ever seen. For a moment, she wondered if she was doing the right thing. Her quarrel wasn't with these boys— but they stood in the way of her one goal, to have her daughter marry the king. 
Daciana swallowed back her doubts and dumped a shovel full of dirt on the babies. After a few moments, the hole was filled and she tamped it smooth. When Daciana returned to her chambers, she drafted an urgent note to King Stefan. The next day, a messenger arrived at Stefan's war camp on the western border. The young king tore into the note, hoping for good news about Laptitsa and her pregnancy. His hopes turned to horror, though, when he read Daciana's account of the birth. He was now the proud father, not of two sons, but apparently of two animals. The news was so shocking that Stefan abandoned the battlefield and raced home. When he arrived, he stormed into the castle and burst into his chambers to find Laptitsa asleep with a blanket in her arms. She was still covered in dried blood from the birth. Stefan approached cautiously. Perhaps Daciana's note had been exaggerated. Maybe his boys were completely normal, or mostly normal. As he peered into the swaddle, however, he jumped back at the hideous sight. There were two brown puppies with matted, crusted hair. Stefan shook Laptitsa awake. How is this possible? He demanded. I want an explanation. Laptitsa woke and saw her husband standing over her. She reached up to touch his face, but he brushed her away. Stefan, I don't know what happened. Everything seemed fine, but Daciana handed me these. Stefan shook his head. He had loved Laptitsa with all of his heart, and he had been so excited for his children. But this was too much to bear. He snatched the bundle of puppies from her. These are not my children. These are monsters. He handed them to a guard. Take these out of the castle and dash them against the rocks. I never want to see them again. Stefan then turned back to Laptitsa. You promised me princes with stars, he said almost in a whisper. Laptitsa's mouth opened to explain, but no sound came out. What could she say? After a moment, a single tear dropped down her cheek onto the bedsheet. Stefan looked at her. Before they were married, some people in his kingdom had advised him not to marry a peasant girl. They claimed she might try to trick him. Now he was starting to believe them. His face hardened. He gestured to another guard. Take this fraud out to the crossroads beyond the castle. Bury her up to her neck. Let her stand as a warning to anyone who would dare lie to their king. Daciana and Ivona heard the commotion from across the castle and arrived just in time to see Laptitsa dragged from the royal bedchambers. As the disgraced queen passed, Daciana waved to her sardonically. Bye she added with finality. Ivona jumped up and down with excitement. Mother, she's gone! Now I can be queen? Daciana patted her daughter on the arm. Patience, my dear. Daciana knocked on the king's half-open door. She could see Stefan pacing back and forth, muttering to himself. Come in! He called out, not breaking stride. Daciana slunk into the room with Ivona in tow. Your Majesty, I know this is a difficult time for you, she said. First going to war with my brother, then this witchcraft. 
If you need anything, we are here for you. Stefan's eyes darted around the room, clearly lost in thought. But finally, they settled on his stepmother. He shuffled over to her. Thank you, he said. You have always been by my side. He started to sob. Daciana wrapped her arms around the king. There, there, she said. I have an idea. I do not know how this conflict with my brother, King Andre, started, but perhaps we can end it with a gesture of goodwill. He has always loved his niece, Ivona. Perhaps if you marry her, it would be an olive branch to Andre. Not only would you have a better wife, but your war would end. Stefan considered Daciana's words carefully. He wasn't sure if he was ready to be married so soon. He had just sent Laptitza away, but he was exhausted by his string of bad luck, and he knew Daciana was right. Regardless of his personal feelings of getting married again, it would be the best for the kingdom. Before he could agree, however, he noticed something glistening in the courtyard. What are those? He asked. Daciana and Ivona joined the king by the window. Down below, in a shady corner of the courtyard, were two aspen saplings. Their smooth bark seemed to have a golden sheen that reflected the light. Daciana nearly choked. The trees were growing in the same spot where she had buried the babies. Someone must have accidentally planted them, she said. I'll have the gardeners cut them down tomorrow. The king shook his head, entranced by the trees. No, no, they're beautiful. Somehow they bring me peace. After a moment, he turned back to Daciana. Thank you for your wise counsel. Please write to your brother. Tell him I will marry Ivona tomorrow. Perhaps that will convince him to end this war. Now, I should get some rest. It has been a long day. Ivona could barely contain her excitement. Good night, your majesty. I mean, my betrothed. She squealed. Daciana grabbed her daughter, yanked her out of the room, and closed the door. Ivona danced in circles. You did it, mother! You did it! She yelled. Daciana smiled wanly. She wanted to celebrate, but something was bothering her. Those trees, she thought. There was something strange about them, but she couldn't concern herself with that now. She had a wedding to plan and a war to call off. First, Daciana wrote a new message to King Andre, instructing him to withdraw his troops. After that, Daciana's thoughts turned to Ivona. She was getting married tomorrow to the king. It was what they had always wanted. She summoned the royal tailors and had them get to work sewing the most beautiful wedding dress the kingdom had ever seen. The next day, Stefan readied himself in his chambers. He and Ivona were to be married at the kingdom's chapel a short distance away. As he dressed, he was shocked to see that the aspen trees had doubled in height overnight. They now stood 20 feet tall. Their bark glistened even more in the morning light. They were so beautiful, Stefan hollered to his servants. He had a change of plans for the wedding. Instead of having it at the chapel, he wanted it to take place between those trees. 
Later that morning, Stefan and Ivona were married in the courtyard, directly under the golden aspen trees. Though the king's heart was still heavy after banishing Laptitsa, he was pleasantly surprised at how much the ceremony lifted his spirits. Then, in the middle of the reception, more good news arrived. A messenger carried a note from King Andre that he was withdrawing his troops. Stefan, Ivona, and all the wedding guests cheered. All except Dachiana. She seemed to be on edge. Even though it was the day she had always dreamed of, she didn't seem to be enjoying it. When Stefan noticed this, he sidled over to her. What's wrong? He asked. After all that you have done for me, ending this war, helping me in my time of need, how can I repay you? Name it and I shall make it happen. Daciana pointed at the golden aspen trees. I want those cut down. Stefan swallowed nervously. Really? Anything in the world and you want to cut down those trees? Daciana held his gaze. That's it, she said simply and sternly. The king sighed. They are the most beautiful trees I've ever seen, but if you want them cut down, it will be my gift to you. Then he added, as if struck with inspiration, I'll have my carpenters turn the lumber into a bed for you. Daciana winced. No, your majesty, there's no need for such trouble. Stefan patted her arm. Nonsense, it will be lovely, you'll see. Daciana bowed and thanked the king. Maybe he was right. Once the trees were cut down, perhaps that would be the end of it. She smiled and finally began to enjoy the wedding party. Three days later, the aspens were cut down and carved into an ornate bed. The wood grain had an iridescent sheen that sparkled in her bedroom. It was the most luxurious bed Daciana had ever seen. When it was complete, she collapsed on it. Perhaps now she would finally be able to rest. But later that night, Daciana awoke with a start. She heard two voices whispering in her room. Do you feel that, brother? One voice asked. It's heavy, said the other. Daciana peered around the room. It sounded like there were two boys hiding somewhere. She swung over the side of the bed and looked underneath, but it was empty. She lit a candle and searched every corner of the room, but there was no one there except her. She laughed at herself. Maybe she'd been dreaming. But as she returned to the bed, the voices returned. How will we expose this evil woman, brother? We're stuck in this bed. Daciana startled when she heard that. No, no, she muttered to herself. The voices seemed to be coming from the bed itself. Daciana kicked at the finely crafted wooden frame. You'll never expose me, she yelled. Dressed only in her nightgown, she dragged the bed frame through the castle out to the courtyard. There, she hacked it to pieces with an axe and set it on fire. As the flames consumed the wood, she grinned and laughed at it. Good luck exposing me now, she howled. She unleashed a laugh that echoed across the castle and into the night. Coming up... Two embers spark revenge.
Now, back to the story. Flames danced in Dachiana's eyes. She watched as fire consumed the bed built from the golden aspen. She was confident this would put an end once and for all to the boys with the golden stars. As she watched the bonfire grow, it soon caught the attention of the rest of the castle, including King Stefan. He sprang from bed and raced down to the courtyard. What happened to the bed? He asked his stepmother. But she didn't respond. She simply stared at the fire as it fully engulfed the frame. Stefan was concerned about his stepmother. He wondered if she was losing her mind. First, she had wanted to cut down the trees. Then she set the bed on fire. He signaled to some servants to escort her back into the castle, but Dachiana refused. She wanted to see the last of the wood burn. A short time later, as the flames died down, everyone returned inside the castle. They didn't notice that two tiny glowing embers caught a gust of wind and floated into the air. They rode on the back of the wind up and over the castle walls, far beyond the surrounding gardens and hunting grounds. After a while, they came to rest in a flowing stream. As the sparks landed, they did not extinguish. Instead, they glowed brighter and brighter. They transformed into two small fish with golden scales. As the fish were carried along in the current, they grew. Then their fins elongated into arms and legs, and their scales transformed into ivory skin. Finally, after many miles, two young boys emerged from the stream. They had mops of golden hair and matching outfits, complete with boots and caps. While the boys were clearly twins, one was lanky with a cerebral air about him. The other was muscular with a look of violence glinting in his eye. We're very far from home, Soreen, said the lanky brother. The muscular one flexed his fists as if preparing for a fight. You're right, Ostru. We'll have to hurry back. The twin princes, Soreen and Ostru, traveled through the night and the next day, and they finally arrived at the castle as the sun was setting. When the boys approached the gate, two guards stopped them. What is your business? One of the guards asked. Ostru, the thin one, stepped forward. We're here to see the king, he said simply. The guard shook his head. The king is dining now and will have no visitors. Come back in the morning. Ostru turned calmly to his brother. Sorin, this man doesn't seem to understand who we are. Will you help him, please? The larger boy nodded and advanced on the guards. The armed men called for the boy to stay back, but he didn't stop. They thrust their spears at him. Sorin, however, neatly dodged their strikes. He grabbed the shaft of one of the guard's spears and ripped it from his hands. He broke the thick wood over his knee and tossed it to the side. Then the boy lifted the guard and tossed him over the gate. Soon the boys were surrounded by nearly a dozen armed men. The twins stood back to back, ready to fight. When the guards advanced, the young boys moved gracefully together, barely speaking as they made short work of the trained men. But they weren't quick enough to stop one of the guards from blowing his whistle. 
Before long, reinforcements arrived, but they halted when they saw the twin boys unscathed, surrounded by piles of guards. The commotion roused most of the castle, including the king, who marched down to the gate. What's the meaning of this? He demanded. At the sight of their father, the two boys dropped their fighting stances and fell to their knees. Your Majesty, Ostru said, we've come to beg an audience with you. Stefan gestured to the bruised and bloodied guards. You have a strange way of begging, he said. Tell me, why shouldn't I have you killed right here and now? The boys clasped their hands as if to pray. Please, Ostru said. Hear what we have to say, father. Stefan froze. The word father triggered a cascade of emotions inside him. His face flushed with rage. How dare you call me father? He cried. You do not know the pain I have been through. He stomped closer to where the boys knelt. Take off your caps so that I can see the faces of the wretches I'm about to kill. The twins obeyed and removed their caps revealing dazzling golden stars on their foreheads. Even in the darkness of early evening, the stars glowed as if lit from behind. The guards and servants cowered at the sight. Tears filled King Stefan's eyes, and he ran to the boys, wrapping them in his arms. You are my sons. After a long embrace, the king wiped the tears from his face. How is this possible? He asked them, how are you so big already? The boys then described everything that had happened to them, how they'd been switched at birth with the puppies, how they were buried in the courtyard, turned into trees, fish, and then became the young men they were now. But most importantly, they explained how Daciana had been responsible for all of it. The king stood abruptly. He hollered for Daciana and Ivona to be brought before him. After a few moments, the two women were escorted to the castle gate, surrounded by guards. At first, Daciana struggled against the soldiers. Unhand me, she cried. What is this all about? But when she noticed the two boys with stars on their heads, her knees buckled and she went limp. King Stefan's face contorted in rage as he bellowed at her. All this time I thought you were helping me. It's time for you to answer for your actions. He signaled to the guards to tie her sinewy wrists with rope. Then the line was attached to a horse. Please, your majesty, Daciana begged. I can explain. But the king didn't acknowledge her. He turned to his sons. Boys, why don't you do the honors? Ostru and Sorin regarded Daciana coolly. We warned you we would expose you. Then they slapped the horse on its haunches. The steed took off at incredible speed, dragging Daciana behind it. The crowd gasped as her body was torn to pieces on the rocky road. No one could tear their eyes away from the trail of gore, from the ripping, bloody flesh. Not until the horse and the mangled body finally disappeared in the distance. Ivona screamed for her mother, but the guards restrained her. King Stefan marched over to her. 
You shall be kept here as a ward. You will write to your uncle Andre and tell him that if he ever invades my lands again, you will meet the same fate as your mother. Ivona was then dragged back into the castle, wailing and sobbing. With the traitors dealt with, Stefan embraced his sons again. Come, my boys, let's free your mother. It's time that we set everything right. A short time later, King Stefan and the boys dug Laptitsa from the side of the road and carried her back to the castle. Her body was weak and dehydrated, but she was still alive, and even in her weakened state, she recognized her sons. She hugged them and kissed their heads. I knew it, she said simply. I knew you were real. A few days later, when Laptitsa had recovered her strength, Stefan called for a feast to celebrate the reunion of his family. The royal chefs prepared platters of roasted pheasants, rich stews, and fresh baked pies. The kingdom's best musicians played joyful tunes. To most of the partygoers, it was a great success. The boys, Sorin and Ostru, ate enough to fill three men. King Stefan sang and danced with the guests. But there was one person who looked on with a guarded stare, Laptitsa. After what she had endured, she could not enjoy the party. In fact, during a break in the dancing, Laptitsa gestured King Stefan over to her. She clamped her hand onto his wrist. I tried to warn you about your stepmother, she whispered, but you didn't listen. Stefan laughed nervously. I admit it, you were right. Now come on, join the party. But Laptitsa tightened her grip. If you ever doubt me or endanger my boys again, perhaps it will be you who gets buried in the ground. Stefan finally pulled himself from her iron grip. He tried to laugh it off, but the look in Laptitsa's eyes was deadly serious. In that moment, King Stefan realized he would never doubt his wife ever again. At the heart of the Boys with the Golden Stars is a lesson of morality. At first, it seems that Dachiana will get away with her evil deeds. The boys are murdered, Laptitsa is banished, Stefan marries Ivona. Everything goes according to Dachiana's plan. But the evil stepmother didn't count on the truth sprouting from the ground to haunt her. She didn't understand that even if it was chopped down or burned, the truth remained. It simply transmuted to a new form until it was clear for all to see. Ancient tales like this taught Romanian children one of the simplest forms of morality. If you commit an evil act, it will always come back to haunt you. It's a timeless lesson, one that's more relevant than ever now that so many of our words and actions are constantly digitally recorded. No matter how clever you think you are, no matter how deep you bury your crimes, they'll come back to get you in the end. Thanks for listening to Tales. We'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me next week for another dark and surprising fairy tale. 
Tales is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Tales was written by Joseph Bricker, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify. Spotify.